0: Welcome to another episode of Simply Sales and Marketing. Today, we have a very special guest. Um, I think probably about four four months that I've um, came across you on LinkedIn. I can't remember the exact time, Salman, but Salman Mohayadin, is that right?
1: Pretty good, actually. Uh, it's Mohayadin, <laughs> but it, uh, it's not easy, so... A great effort, though.
0: Ah, <laughs> right. I gave it away. Okay, so he is strategic enterprise sales at Asana. He helps AEs and SDRs close more deals and grow their brand. He describes himself as an interview ace, a minority in sales, and is passionate about inclusion and diversity. Salman, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. Really appreciate the opportunity to be on.
0: Fantastic to have you. And um, yeah, so I started telling the story and then introed you you um, without introing you fully. So yeah, you share a lot of very, very helpful content and especially a lot of video content on your LinkedIn. You have a wealth of experience in sales. So you're at Asana right now. You also have a big announcement, which I think is today, but by the time the show comes out, everybody will know. So, so I've been sort of on the edge of my seat. So c- can you tell us more about that?
1: I can certainly tell you, first of all, pleasure to be on and I'm very, very excited to launch a new sales program for the sales community because this is extremely important to me. I started posting content and sales advice back in August of 2021 and the reason I wanted to is because, you know, I had a lot of experience and there was actually one scenario that came up where it motivated me to start posting content. And it was an SDR that called me out of the blue. And I don't get a lot of calls like that because I'm a account executive, but I shared feedback on that call to that SDR and what they could have done better. And they appreciated that. So I posted about that and got great feedback. And I talked to my wife the same night saying that, Hey, I think I have something to share with the LinkedIn sales community. I have the experience, I have the results. Why don't I do that? And it resulted in so much engagement that I decided that I'm going to launch a sales community, which is starting uh, today. Which is uh, yeah. So I'm really, really excited about getting all the top sellers in the community to be engaged, to share content. And that's what basically is launching. Yeah. Have you got a name for it? Well, it's uh, the, the company name, so to speak, is the Salman Sales Academy. So that's yeah. what it's called and really excited about launching that. Amazing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you have uh, just going to diving into your experience um 7 years you're at Salesforce, 6 years at IBM. Um, And then you were coaching and leading sort of at Salesforce in the beginning. You've developed a sales playbook and yeah, your content, especially what resonates with me is the video content because it's so actionable. Linda is the sort of the prospect. Um, And there was one, uh, it was a couple of videos that you recently posted that I really liked. Talk us through sort of the, you said you were selling a $20,000 deal. You managed to upgrade that to 400,000 in a matter of eight months. And this is a really good example of sort of multi-threading mastery. Walk us through that and how you did it.
1: Yeah, happy to. So that's a deal I was particularly proud of. And, you know, it, it didn't look good at the beginning. It didn't really look good at all, where basically we came into the table where we were sitting down with the VPIT. And and this is a, a large education customer. And what was interesting was that the VP, the IT team controlled everything in terms of how they wanted to roll up the platform and how many licenses they were going to get. And it was a very small footprint that we had. But in my mind, I was like, you know what? We need to do something here to grow the relationship with this account. But unfortunately, the VP of IT was holding us back. And he told me, listen, Salman. We are not going to expand with you unless there's demand from the business. And I can tell you right now that the business uses a competitive tool today to yours, and we have an enterprise agreement with them. And the likelihood of you generating that interest across lines of business, across this account, is very low. So, you know, yeah, you could reach out to folks. Don't reach out to any VPs, but, you, you know, good luck. So I took that on as a challenge. I said, you know what? You know, I've done this before and I'm going to do it again using my multi-threading. Cuz one thing that I think differentiates the elite sellers from the average sellers is that average sellers tend to single thread. They like to attach themselves to a champion and let that champion navigate it and build them build them referrals. But instead, the elite sellers, they are proactive versus reactive. And that's what I did. I reached out to every VP and director that fit our ICP, that fit the persona, that had use cases that our value aligned to. And I came up with a message and I just said, listen, number one, we're an approved vendor today. Number two, we're working with other areas of the organization and these teams that are leveraging our platform to solve problem X, Y, and Z. These are the results that they've seen. If these problems resonate with you, I'd like to talk about how we can potentially replicate that value with your team. Would you be Would you be open to a chat? And I did that across 15 or 20 people. We drove that demand. They saw the value. I leveraged our cross-functional teams. And then we came back to the champion and said, hey, listen, here's the demand that we've driven. Here are the names. You can cross-reference that. You need to expand. And they agree to do that. So multi-threading is the key to the story.
0: That is perfect. And, you know, I like your approach and what you said there. Average sellers will single thread. Elite sellers will be proactive and look to upsell. And that's, a, you know, from 20K to 400K. Um, that's amazing. And mm-hmm. for everyone listening, Salman put some amazing tips on, on his LinkedIn, his video tips. Um, so, uh, yeah, keep that up.
2: I really, like, I really like that term, multi-threading. And maybe it's because I'm more marketing, but in effect, <laughs> that's just getting multiple touch points and multiple different stakeholders within a business
1: to then put forward your business case. Is that right? Yeah, exactly right. It's about making sure, because here's the thing, like, and, and I'm sure you know this from your experience, in order to close larger deals, there's more people involved. There's more decision makers. There are more stakeholders, more influencers. Yeah. So it's important to be aligned to them. It's important to be connected with them, to understand what's important. And if you do that, then you're truly multi-threading.
0: Yeah, and one of the things that I find, because um, because I'm in a, a sales role, full cycle sales, a lot of the times I I get that that one person, and it's getting to the rest of the team. You know, calling out as soon as I can. You know, you normally you, you don't want to. Typically, what I find is that if the rest of the team don't come on to the next demo or the demo, then they're gonna they're gonna feel left out, um, yeah. and and it's getting past that reluctance. And if you know they say. Um, that they don't want to bring anybody else on yeah it makes me suspicious are they just sort of shopping around you know because that happens a lot sometimes or you know do you have the courage to then go out and, and contact all the other stakeholders and and you know sell it to them exactly
2: exactly right now so I have to ask Salman obviously very imp- impressive CV when you look at things you know the sales forces the IBMs you've got a side hustle and a community growing which is you know massive congratulations there What what do you wish that you knew when you first started out? And would it be something like using Asana to project manage your sales? Or or have you got one thing that you wish or kick
1: yourself you didn't know when you first started out? I'm really glad you asked that question because I actually had a post probably about eight or ten months ago where I listed out five things that I wish I did sooner in my sales career. I'll I'll name one or two if that's okay. Uh, The first one is... Having conviction in what you sell. Here's what I mean by that. If you don't truly believe in what you're selling, that if you don't truly believe that the product that you're selling will provide real value to your customers and you're confident in that, if you don't have that conviction, you're not going to enjoy what you do and you're not going to be successful in the long run. And this happened to me many years ago. I left a good job for a higher paying job. I ran towards the base salary. I ran towards the perks and the OTE and all that. But then I slowly realized I didn't truly believe in what I was selling. And it was my fault because I didn't do the due diligence of the product and the company before I joined. And I realized that I can't be successful if I don't truly believe in what I'm selling because I won't enjoy what I'm doing. And ultimately, I'm going to see through it and my customers will see through it in the way I portray myself. So... I tell all the other sellers there, don't just run towards the money. Believe in what you're going to sell. And that's on you to do your due diligence before you accept an offer. So I regret not doing that sooner rather than later. And the second thing is investing in a sales coach. I am telling you, I guarantee you, if I had invested my time and resources in a sales coach earlier in my career, I would two or three x accelerated my career mm. wow like find someone that's a few years ahead of you Yep. that has done has been in your shoes that's been through ups and downs been through adversity and have them coach you through how to become a better seller if i, I wish i had done that sooner
2: Oh, I love that point on sell something you actually believe in because I think most people are drawn to sales for the money and a lot of people will admit that. So actually taking a step back and picking a product or an industry you believe in says says a lot. How is that something you can train or teach yourself to start believing in a product? Or do you think if you don't believe just get out of there and look for something that you do
1: believe in? Yeah, I think I think there's three things that I look for in a role. It's conviction in what you're selling great leadership that supports you and your well-being and a strong team culture where everybody cares about each other's success, right? And there's no bad blood. There's no egos and things like that. So conviction is number one on my list. I always tell people and people reach out to me. What do you mean by conviction? What does this mean? Do you think like if you don't believe in what you're selling, like if I'm going to a company and I realize this product is not the best, I don't believe that it's going to bring real value to my customers. You can fake it for a bit, but ultimately, the way you articulate yourself to your customers, it's going to be noticed and your customers will notice that too. So, I mean, I think you'll slowly realize it, but I mean, you've got to believe in what you're selling to be successful, I believe.
0: Yeah, you do. And and also, especially with sort of long sales cycles, um, tech tools, you, you've got to believe in what you're selling and the product has to re- renew itself, doesn't it? Um, so, you know, there has to be that kind of value there. Um, And I like what you said as well about investing in a sales coach because too many sellers rely on the company that they work for to provide them with sales training. And they might get a one-off sales training or it lasts a couple of months and then they get nothing else.
1: Exactly, exactly. And um, that's important. That's important. And and a lot of organizations will give like a stipend or a, a reimbursement for coaches. Take advantage of that. And the one thing I would recommend is that if you're looking for a sales coach, do your due diligence and make sure they've been in your shoes before and they've been successful.
0: Yeah, great advice there. And now, sort of leading on from that, we've talked about what you wish you knew uh, when you started out. What do you think? Um, you know, with sales and marketing, how could because we're about sales and marketing, how could both sales and marketing be better aligned?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I was actually speaking to a, a director of marketing at a large, uh, it's one of my friend's uh, wives, and she works at a large, uh, very large, well-known software company, one of the biggest, and she's a director of marketing there. And she told me, Salman, like, the trouble that I'm having is that I don't fully understand the impact that my efforts and my team's efforts are having on the sales teams. Yes, we have tools in place to keep track of metrics and what leads are coming in from what sources, but... I need to clearly understand how we're impacting the sales team. And we're not understanding that because the sales team is not sharing, you know, the success that they're having and why that could be because of the marketing team's efforts. So I said to her, you're right. Like there needs to be better alignment where not just from the metric standpoint and all the revenue coming in, but anecdotally sales teams need to recognize and, the, the advancements and the value that the marketing team is bringing. And that could be through anecdotal stories. That could be through sending, giving them a shout out on uh, deal reviews and uh, sales kickoff calls and things like that. I think that is the biggest thing because a lot of people sometimes make fun of marketing saying, Oh, what value you're being? Well, they're bringing value. So the sales team should be able to articulate that, you know, to their team, to their management team, to the marketers, to the leadership marketing team. And if that is the case, there's going to be better alignment and a better relationship between those two.
2: Do you know what? I could not agree more. So my role as a marketing director is trying to show the worth of marketing. And as we all know in sales, you can show a dollar sign or a pound sign or a euro sign against anything that you do do, whereas in marketing, it's not necessarily that straightforward. So you sometimes do have to be a bit more creative in showing that return on investment. And it's not sometimes obvious, and sometimes you can't see the business impact. But I completely agree. I think if you find a way to show that success and to kind of loop that back, that's absolutely pivotal when it comes to it. And I would say, and this is, this is a question I want to ask. It's always my favorite question because people get brutally honest on this one. If you had God's power and tomorrow you could stop something in sales and marketing in one go, one wipe, one click, and no one ever spoke about it again, what would you pick?
1: That's a good question. I would <laughs> it's say- It's a dangerous one. <laughs> it's a dangerous one, but this is something I talk about. And Charlie <laughs> knows that uh, this as well. If you been following my content, I am very, very picky with the language that is used by both sales and marketers on every channel, whether it be on the website, whether it be if you're sending a cold email, whether it be an outreach campaign where sales and marketing are reaching out to existing clients or prospects or trial people, you know, folks on a trial. The language has to be better. It can't be... Because here's the thing. If you focus on your product and your capabilities and your solution, that's your language that's not the prospects language the prospects language is the problems that they're facing on a day-to-day basis and the impact of those problems on their business so words like oh you know teams are facing a lack of visibility or manual processes you know what there's 10,000 solutions out there that solve for lack of visibility and manual process you have to be very very particular and specific about the language mm-hmm. maybe it's hey teams have disjointed collaboration tools or spending too much time in multiple applications, which is leading to, you know, X, Y, and Z. So you have to be specific. And I think that language has to be better with both sales and marketing teams to really put your feet in the customer's shoes to know what they're going through. So it resonates with them.
0: Absolutely. I agree so much with that point because um, I've worked at companies where, you know, the language was just that we're an end-to-end solution, um, we're an AI solution. We'll help you do this better, and it, you know, it, that's not really talking about the the, the prospect's problems, is it? And, and sort of getting under the skin uh, of using the right language. So that's a really good point there, and not one that we've had when we've asked that question on yeah, on the previous yeah. episodes. So. Now sort of moving on, what do you think, Salman, the future holds for sales and marketing? What exciting things do you think are coming that around the corner that, you know, most sellers, most marketers might not be quite aware of or might not believe in?
1: Uh, yeah. So for sales and marketing, I think there's 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 a couple of things. Uh, if I were to think about it, um, I think number one, it's that it's, it's so much more competitive now. Like I was looking at this chart where it was like, if you looked at some of the technology vendors and martech vendors compared from like 10 years ago to now it's like 100x it's so competitive now now it's up to sales and marketing to come with really an approach that will help grow their business and that approach i think starts with Aligning better on the messaging, like I'm going to double down on that again. It comes down to messaging and really understanding who your ICP is, because there's so many different solutions out there that focus on so many different things. I think you need to clearly identify who are your key personas that your message is going to resonate with them. What is important to them? Uh, And and this is what I do. I actually sit down with uh, SDRs and AEs, and I think marketers can, can learn from this as well. I tell them, listen, when you start your new role, sit down with your teams, with marketing teams, with sales teams, and build out a chart that shows who are the key personas that are most resonate with your solution. Take the solution out of the way. The next column is understand the problems that they face on a day-to-day basis and their language. The thir- third column is, what is the impact of that problem on their business? And the fourth line is, what is the metric or KPI that is impacted the most, that is most important to that persona? And sit down with your marketing teams to understand that based on their messaging and put that together and put that up on your like monitor so you can have those direct conversations. I think you have to be so specific nowadays because it's such a competitive market that if you can work with your sales and marketing teams to put together that message is going to make your conversations a lot easier.
0: I absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. And you've just given yeah. me a really good idea because I have a spreadsheet with our marketing team, but really sort of drilling down on, you know, putting together a chart, key personas, looking at the problems, the language, the impact and the metrics that are most important to that persona. Again, getting under the skin of of um of, you know what what sales and marketing face and um you know, I really, we've got some really good, yeah. good insights yeah. on this episode that we haven't had on previous episodes. So it's like, yeah,
2: that, that persona piece I absolutely love as well. Because we, in marketing, we love building personas as part, you need to do it to understand your audience. But I think it's really key linking it to that KPI or metric to actually look for success, which a lot of people aren't doing. There's kind of um, the qualitative with the quantitative, you could say.
1: Totally, and, and just one last point on that is that, like, for example, I, I sold to marketing folks at Salesforce for quite a while. I was selling our marketing cloud platform, and I really wanted to put my shoes in those marketing folks, like, in their shoes. And what I realized is that, like, let me focus on the metrics that matter to them. What are metrics? It could be lead conversion rate. It could be conversion rate. It could be time spent on website. It could be, you know, amount of uh, shopping carts that get abandoned. So. What can I like how is that metric being affected by the problems that they're facing? If I can attach myself to that, then I got their ears. Yeah, no, nah, couldn't agree more.
0: Before we finish up, Salman, we always ask everyone that comes on if you've got one. I know you've got so many great takeaway tips, so I'm gonna ask you now to to pick one um that our audience can take away in action straight away.
1: Yeah, uh so I'm gonna share one of my favorite questions that I like to ask on discovery calls. And it's, it's a good segue because we were just talking about metrics. One of the questions that I like to ask, and a lot of people ask, how do I quantify the pain on my discovery calls? It's, it's one of the hardest things to do to quantify the business. Oh yeah. And you, yeah, you know, the Charlotte from your experience, like it's hard for me too. And here's the thing, like, It may not happen on the first call. It takes multiple calls, but I'm going to tell you a trick that you can use. Here's what I say. I'll ask the, the, you know, the individual that I'm speaking to, like a director of marketing, VP of marketing, whoever it is. um, What is the metric that you're measured on that is most important to you? Right. (gasps) Find that out. And then I'll ask them, how is that metric being impacted by this problem that you're facing today? If you find that out, and here's the thing. What I found is that you'll be surprised at what you hear their metric is. You're going to think it's one thing. You're like, are you serious? That's the metric you care about. And then your business case is attached to that single metric because that's that's how they get promoted. That's how they get paid more yeah. is to increase that metric.
2: Oh, that's absolutely killer. That's that a blinder crazy. because yeah. I...
0: I especially in sort of I'm selling to governments and they, their metric is usually they have to create jobs and they have to get companies to, to invest and create those jobs. So there's, a, there's a, an investment value attached to that, a dollar value. And there's also a job creation value. But it, it, the difficulty is, is that if they don't meet that objective, they still have their jobs because they're government employees. So it's difficult right. to fire them. Yeah. So that's, for me that's a really sort of diving into that pain um but i really love those two questions because there could be other metrics that that perhaps that Mm. you you know you could pick out there
2: well do you know what i would say also on top of metrics is a success criteria you're looking for and if you can both agree what success looks like then you can build on that relationship so yeah i think asking that metric and flipping it's really good tip Awesome. right we've just come up to the end unfortunately um, and some great insights already um, and the final question the tip. but Salman if people want to get in touch where can they find you and also if they want to join your society as well
1: yeah to- uh, uh, yeah totally so they can reach out to me on LinkedIn connect with me follow me on LinkedIn Salman Mohideen and uh, the website is up now uh, www.salmansalesacademy.com uh, all the details with regards to the services including joining the community is there really, really excited for that.
0: Amazing. Fantastic. I'm excited to see what you've got coming up as well. And um, yeah, for all of our listeners, give us a rating, leave us a review and we'll see you on the next show.